You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. This is Steph Wilberting, your host. Here, we'll be talking about all things wellness, how it impacts our journey and affects the way we show up in the world. Hey team, thanks for listening to this episode of the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. Please give us a like, a follow, a review, a subscribe on all the different listing platforms and uh, follow me over on Instagram at leading underscore lady underscore fitness to stay in the loop for all things happening in the leading lady fitness community. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. All right, team. Hello and welcome to this episode. I am very excited about today's guest. Uh, Today I am speaking with Josh Walden, director, choreographer, performer, teacher, one of my best friends, one of the most creative people I have ever met. And I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Josh. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. This is a conversation I've been really excited to have because you and I actually kind of started having this conversation a while back. And I, well, before I go into this, actually, what I want to say to, um, for a little context for everybody is one of my first professional summer jobs as a performer, having come to musical theater a little later than others, like in my late twenties was upstate New York at the Mary, then Mary Ground Playhouse. And that's the summer where we met as performers and our friendship has been since then. But about 10 years after that, you cast me in a show. Uh, I got to play Paulette in your uh, creation of Legally Blonde. And I'm bringing this up because being cast in that show was a huge thing for me and a pivotal moment in my career and Mm -hmm. in my journey about accepting myself and my body and being a leading lady. And so having this conversation with you is really special and really important to me. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. What I want to start with is, you know, because we talk about self-care and what that means, what that looks like and how it affects our lives. I want to hear from you about what your journey has been, how the pandemic has uh, shifted your relationship or how did it affect your relationship with how you take care of yourself? Well, what's interesting is right before the pandemic started, I got married and then the pandemic hit. And so if you ever want to be tested in any relationship you've ever had in your life, enjoy a nice pandemic because it will force you to deal with a lot. I think for me, I was always very carefree. Um, uh, just If we're just talking about walking around, like touching things, like I just wasn't very aware of 
the space around me and how to stay healthy. I just, I just was a spontaneous kind of person and I'm going to pick up that piece of gum that dropped on the floor of the subway and I'm going to put it back in my mouth and I'm fine. I think, I think the pandemic left just in a very like, like just the quick, the first answer that comes to my head is having a husband say, Hey, you should wash your hands more. You need to make sure that what you're touching and how you're going about your life, think about how you're then going to bring it back into your, your space. And I think that was the biggest thing just in terms of, you know, New York city on your body, on your skin, in your nose. I think I, all of a sudden was like, Oh, I just would get like a little cold and I would get like sick, but I was always someone that would just muscle through it and be like, I'll never miss a show. I will always be there. So I think that's the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah. Uh, The second thing I think would be just a lot of mental health uh, stuff has come up for me. Just, just understanding a you and your being and how you exist in the world is very different than uh, your partner, your, you know, your spouse, your, your friends. And when all of a sudden you're forced to be around someone 24 seven, um, you start to really see, oh, what do I need uh, to stay healthy? What do I need to do to stay creative, to stay motivated? And at the same time, how can I also allow there to be space for my partner? My husband and I had very different ways of dealing with the pandemic and so it, the, I think this past two years has really taught me how I need to listen better, mm-hmm. um, how I need to listen to, you know, myself, to, you know, my husband, to my friends, to family, and just to make sure if I need a break, if I need to go somewhere, if I need to do something that that's something that's completely like within my right my rights or, or it's my duty to go be like, I need to walk around the city. I need to go to New Hampshire and be by myself. I need to do these things to make sure that I am okay. And that my mental health is in check. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's been a huge thing. And then having the opportunities with you during the pandemic to check in to get myself connected once again to my core mm-hmm. and to, you know, feeling physical. I am someone that's always like going around and moving and being crazy and, and never stopping. Uh, so finding that time as a 45 year old man to get connected to some kind of physical um, exercising, like your class, like the 30, 35 minutes, yeah. so quick, so easy, but It's something that if I'm not doing that, this body is going to start to kind of seize up and freeze. And it's a little bit harder to get out of bed. It's a little bit harder to stand up from my chair. Um, So I I think like I I have never really been a fan of the gym. I have never been someone that like enjoys that go like going and getting into a space where other people are sweaty and and grunting. and, And it just always just like was weird to me. Um, so finding the kind of exercising, uh, that I did with you in my personal space with a nice community, just, it just was so rewarding and was like, oh yeah, that's easy. Boom. In and out. Well, and I think some, two things you just brought up that I want to, one is the mental health conversation. Uh, I think for me, I can only speak for me, but I, I think this is fair to say that the term mental health 
is very, it's a very just broad umbrella, right? And I think for the past two years, um, we've all, if we so wanted to, have had an opportunity to really figure out what that means for us and what the care is, right? Because I know like, even in the fitness industry still, there's a lot of like, working out is great for your mental health, right? I don't, I do not disagree. I 100% disagree. (laughs) I 100% agree. Agree. Yes, I agree. However, like, what does that actually feel like? What does that mean? Right. What's when I, Oh, this is good for my mental health. This makes me happier throughout the day. This makes me feel like I am more engaged with people. This makes me sleep better, whatever. So I think we, it's important to recognize that even though these last two years have been extremely challenging, there has been a vacuum to learn about ourselves, you know, in, in which we can learn about ourselves. The other thing about the classes, from my perspective, something that was really special is that people in my life, like you, who I see as very physical people, active people, dancing eight shows a week, choreographing uh, choreographing shows, to see people show up in a different way with a with a little bit of vulnerability, meaning like this isn't the way I I move multiple hours a week. It was really great to see that and to recognize that the movement I share and lead is different from the movement you share and lead and they can support one another. Oh, yes. And so which leads me to this, this next question for me, for for you is what do you feel? How do you feel different when you're doing a traditional, I'll air quote that, fitness workout versus like dancing for an hour? Like what, how do you, what, how, what have you learned about yourself? How does it feel different? Whatever that means to you. Yeah. So when, what's so great and what has been uh, something I learned, like when I got to a point where I wanted to direct and choreograph more and I wasn't dancing eight shows a week, maintaining the, the physical, like just like uh, health or, or just like seeing my body, feel strong, um, it was harder to maintain because I'm telling people what to do. I'm not doing it. When I go and I'm in a studio and I am dancing and I have an objective or like, like I have to complete this dance or I have to make a self tape. So I'm dancing. There's something so beautifully organic about that. And my body loves going to that movement. And then after I go, Oh, my core feels a little, um, exhausted or my glutes. I'm, I'm really, I can feel them. But during the process of it, I wasn't aware, oh, I'm exercising right now. Oh, I'm taking care of my body. I just do. And I think that's why I've always like stayed in such great shape because I was always doing something. I was always creative. I was always moving. Now in my 40s and stepping back from performing, um, I notice that my body's like, wait a minute, you used to do this all the time. And we're slowing down a lot of our metabolism and other things are not as like active as they once were. Um, so the difference, like when I'm dancing, that doesn't feel like work. That feels mm. joy filled. But then like going to a gym or something like that, that feels so like, I, I don't know what the word is selfish or I don't know if the word is boring or mm. it just, you know, just doesn't, it, it, it just feels empty. And I try, I, I, there was one point where I was like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this. And I, I was doing my own thing. And I wasn't thinking about, I used to think like everyone at the gym was like judging me or everyone at the gym was like, had a goal and it was so much better than mine. And I look at me, like, I, I don't look like that person. Um, I remember having a shift and going, just go and just do it for you. 
But like doing something like going to a dance class, like I just recently went to Amanda Lamont's dance class at um, Broadway Dance Center and it was our first one. And I was like, oh, that's that feeling of soreness I remember from college or I remember from, you know, being in a show um, during rehearsals. Um, and I think I can equate it to the class you teach because there was a sense of dancing with people. Like we were all moving together and there was something quite familiar about that. And so I think I'm like, okay, I'm, I think I'm someone that needs to be moving either collectively with people or sharing space that tends to just, I, I don't know, there, there seems something more proactive about that as opposed to me just going to somewhere. I'm kind of on my own. I don't know. I, I did when the, during the pandemic, taking your classes in a way felt like I'm going to dance class right now. And, and, and the kind of repetition and going from mm -hmm. this, like, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I, I, I have to know that I am, uh, not thinking, oh, I'm just in, I'm just strengthening. There's like a little part of me that either wants to know a deeper meaning behind it, whether it's longevity or protecting my knees or protecting, mm -hmm. like if I can focus on that through like the, the physical therapy I've gone through, that is like exciting. But just for a pure, ooh, to cinch up my waist or to bulk up a peck, it's just some, something about it just I can't grab onto. But if I'm actively dancing in a class, trying to hit line, trying to shape my body in a way that is like muscles are engaged and they're having to be engaged to make these pictures, but I'm not thinking about it. Um, whereas like in uh, like the class we took with you, it wasn't just a, just about improving the, the visual I would leave, like after being in your class for a while, I would just walk around and go, I feel stronger. And I just, I prefer that. And, you know, as someone who is from, you know, a community, I'll just say the gay community, there can be a lot of emphasis put on the exterior. Um, and I'm sure everyone can probably relate to that. Um, but knowing it within my community and kind of seeing that sense that your worth is wrapped around how many abs you have or, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But I was loving with your class, just being like, no, I feel stronger and therefore I must look stronger. I think that was just like my little like twist that it no longer was, ooh, with the right lighting, you know, you can ripple and, and, <laughs> and clean your clothes on my torso, you know. <laughs> well, what, but also what you're saying though is even when uh, talking about Amanda's class, when you're having an experience, you often leave with a different, um, you, you leave feeling differently. And I had a client back in LA at my old studio say, what I've realized is that when I chase a feeling, I always feel better than if I'm chasing results. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. So that's kind of like the feeling, the experience is something we can take with us because the truth is our body is going to change in the next God willing 40, 50 years. Right. Yep. So, but we can still chase experiences. We can still chase feelings. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. I want to go, I want to shift a little bit. Um, yes. Chef pivot. <laughs> um, we've had some conversations about this um, yes. and we can, I want to talk about it with you and, and see what, like where this goes. I want to talk about the Broadway body aesthetic and what that 
means to you, how it's how it's resonated with you maybe in the past as a performer, how it's resonating with you as a director and choreographer and casting pieces and your vision for pieces. So I'm just going to let you kind of, I know you have things to say about this. I don't think I need to prompt you with a specific question. Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to my head is when I did the revival of Lacage on Broadway and we had the top tier dancers of the moment. I felt really proud of myself to be among those artists because they were like the best. And I was like, wait a minute, I, why am I here? And I started to see, oh no, this is what you're contributing to this group. You're, you're of the caliber, but maybe that dancer can do that incredible trick. You're bringing something else that they were like, the show needs it. Mm. But I remember a dresser seeing me throughout the rehearsal process, getting into show. I probably, when I started the show, maybe it was like 175, I think. And I seriously kept eating and kept like supporting myself for to do everything that was expected of us in the show. I went down to 148. So it was bonkers, but it, it was because I was dancing like a woman and women in order to still like have that aesthetic, have to use their core in ways that I've never had to use mm. before. And cause you can't just like do a flashy thing. You have to do a flashy thing, but then all of a sudden make it look effortless and you have to keep your shoulders down and lifted. So the way, like, I was just getting in the best shape of my life and still having my horrible eating habits, which is like drinking two liters of Coke a day and having McDonald's and just horrible. I'm much better now. But I had a dresser see me and she's like, you look great. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. She was like, yeah, because you were the, the fat girl. And I was like, I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you were fat. And... I believe this is what she said. This is what I heard. I, right. I'm sure her intent was to compliment how I looked now, mm-hmm. but I didn't know I, I didn't know I was fat. I knew that I wasn't as muscly as some of the other uh, uh, members of the ensemble. I knew I wasn't as lean, but I didn't think fat. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. It go down in the field. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was strange. I mean, there definitely is body dysmorphia when you're a dancer to begin with or an actor or anyone who is being perceived or seen on yeah. on stage. Uh, I, I know that's there, but it it, it, it was a moment that I, it just kind of stuck with me. And I, I just was so curious about like, was I fat to everybody? You know, like, was this an overall opinion? But I, I, I yeah. Can I interject real quick? Oh my gosh, please. Also, let's just like... This woman, or uh, see, that was a huge assumption that the dresser was a woman. This dresser, yes, fat was bad, right? First of all, what you were would probably not. This is there's so many things we could talk about in this moment. I'm, we don't we don't have time, but like right. the like you were you're better now because right. you're skinnier, right? Yep. So this like hardwired thing in all of us that smaller is better. Hmm. And and then you're already hardwired that way mm-hmm. as a dancer, as a hu- as a human, as a dancer. And then to have someone who, whether or not you needed to hear it or not, but says it or, or whether or not they um, what they whatever they intended to say is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Affirms it. Yeah. Yeah. And 20 years later, we're talking about it. 18 years, whatever. Yeah. And, and if. If I, if I could find some pictures of what I looked like in rehearsal, you would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you look like a person. Like you just look like, like a, a, not, not a stick, but you looked like a human being who is a dancer. Like they're, they're, they're it just, it's like when I look at pictures, I'm like, oh, I did maybe think I was out of shape during rehearsals and I did see the transformation, yeah. but it, it was interesting. And I did notice that when I graduated in, from NYU back in 1998, I was noticing in the 90s there was this gym focus as opposed to ballet class focus. So if you wanted to get a job, you wanted to get super inflated, super muscly, it was this, I guess now we can phrase it as like a toxic masculinity or there was just something that we were putting out that said, do not look thin. Do not look fat. You have to look really muscly. You have to come in and do not show that you're gay. Do not hint that there's anything about you that is softer. Hmm. Straight, straight, straight will get you the job. So all of that was mixed in and coming out recently as non-binary. Now I'm starting to think like, oh, it, it wasn't that back then I was being too femme or, 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 or being too gay uh, it, it was kind of being perceived as a negative. There was something else kind of wanting to seep out and kind of express itself or myself. Mm-hmm. And there just wasn't room because straight, overly inflated muscles was seen as successful. And I did do my part in agreeing with that and subscribing to it. And I've had a very successful career. Mm -hmm. Now, as you talk to me about casting now and what's happening, I am now dedicated to making sure that when I go into a show, if I'm the director choreographer, 
that I am asking of the theater company, I'm asking of casting, I'm asking of everyone to make sure that we are seeking out size diversity is how I'm like trying to like uh, phrase it. I do have a lot of friends who tell me, please just use the word fat. If you want to have a fat uh, dancer, like it's okay to say that. To me still, there is something about it that feels negative. But like what you were saying, it's not a, it shouldn't be a negative. And there is this fear that having a fat dancer or actor in your show is not going to make your choreography look Mm. as good as someone who is very lean and very toned. That was something that was in my head until I asked myself, can you use your imagination? Can you just explore and expand and see these other dancers and watch them? Does your choreography look weaker? And the, the, the answer was it actually looked better. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Because I had audiences coming and saying, I have never seen a plus size or like curvy. That was a, a safe word that we use. A yeah. curvy dancer on point in this hmm. piece that I did. And they were like, that was transformative or something about it made me excited and happy to see that. And I try with everything I do, because uh, my, my mentor, Marsha Milgram Dodge, and I, we understand who we are. We understand um, we are uh, white creatives in this industry and trying to do everything we possibly can with on the other side of the table, um, instead of always asking the actor and asking the, you know, the um, actors, singers and dancers to do like, no, you change the world. It's like, no, 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 we have to change the world on the other side. And I am currently casting a 42nd street and trying to inform. I don't want it just to look like a line of, Cook, not cookie cutter, but a line of the same body image over and over and over again. I would love to see a size diversity. And it's so great. I, I'm seeing like some like a videos coming in. I'm like, yes, yeah, that there, there it is. And, and nothing, it, it looks like here's what was happening. I was on the subway the other day and subways are my favorite place to be. When I was on my cruise ship, I missed being on the subway. Because as a white person, I could go into the subway and I was the minority and who I I saw everyone there going about our life. And I sat on the subway the other day and I said, I want my casts to look like this subway Mm -hmm. right now. And so everyone is here. Everyone's represented and not one uh, person is represented more than another. It's it's equal. And I was like, this is what I want to do. But I definitely, it is still a, a thing like every now and then you you might get oh we we have the one fat dancer oh right. we have the one you know uh, that's all we can have because you know that's going to either be comedy or it's going to be like sassy or something's going to be identified with this person right. but now i'm trying to make sure that not just one not just two not just three but keep telling those dancers you are essential and you are needed and you need to be on our stage because I want to reflect America or the world. I want to reflect the person. I don't want people to come to the theater anymore and be like, let me escape into a world of the person I want to be. I want people to come. Yeah. It's, that it's unattainable. 
Yeah, I want right. people to, and excuse me, if you hear a crazy radiator, it is New York City, and she is going to start screaming at me. So I apologize. But okay. she just has to understand she is New York, and she's yep. going to be loud. Yep. Um, uh, no, but it's like, no, I want you to go and see, oh, my gosh, I am on stage, and look how amazing I am. Look what I'm capable of doing. But I, I do think there is a lot, especially if you go into the dance world, there is still a lot of image issues and concerns the only way to execute something or to make something look good is if you have this very specific body type yeah i mean that that mindset or that story that we tell ourselves or that we're told it goes well out you know it goes well out of our industry right like most of my i would say most of my clients and i'm going to go mostly female identifying clients are not like kicking their face eight shows a week. And they're, they're, they're still pushing against this. Like I have to be, I have to look a certain way in order to be loved and worthy and all these things. Um, but you brought up something interesting about the, like the size or shape of the actor and what their type is. Right. When I, the uh, first summer we met, um, I was at my personal heaviest. Right. And I got cast in every old part, funny part. And, and then they went above and beyond to make me like a psychag. Right. Right. Because I was the heaviest person in the cast and I'm still trying to break out of that. Um, mom, if you're listening, that mind fuckery, right? Like it really, I was like, Oh, and then I had somebody say, you either need to gain more weight or lose it all. And it's just like, Oh my God. And, and at the moment I was like, I think they're right. I think they're right. I need to gain it. And now it's like, no, you just need to be you. And we need to trust that people like Josh Walden are going to continue to create and cast and see the world in a different way. I mean, I think it's like, I could talk about this forever. Clearly no, we don't right. have forever. We don't have forever, but we're still learning. Like I, I, there are little things that I, I am being held accountable for because the, the system and everything has worked in my favor. And so it has always been a yes world for me. So having those artists and those creatives and those people willing to say, just so you know, that thing you said, mm-hmm. and then you're able to just take it in and go never again. Yeah. Never again. Will I subscribe or will I uh, make a comment that would make you feel who you are is not safe and doesn't deserve to be yeah. in this space. But it takes a lot of uh, nurturing and and persistence, working with theater companies that um, everyone has worked one way. And now we're all being asked to work a different way. And I think even before the pandemic, I was even trying to see what can I do? How can I make sure mm-hmm. our companies on stage represent our audiences and not just one. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's take, it's going to take sensitivity, but persistence. Like when I work, I say, okay, this is what I need. And if I can't get it, I say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to rest yeah. and compromise. And so let's find it. Let's yeah. work together. This is really hard. What we have to do. I don't want it to be easy for us. I don't want us to say we tried Let's just do the way, go the, the route it's always worked for us. No, we have to make sure we sit and make it, because here's the thing, it's not going to be that hard in comparison to other people's experiences and journeys. My experience will never be hard. It's just going to take the work, and now I'm dedicated to the work to make mm-hmm. sure that 
I used to have the goal, I'm going to win a Tony. Now the new trajectory is, how can I get someone else who didn't have my privilege, how do I get them to their Tony? And I'm going to be reaping in just the the benefits of helping Mm -hmm. all around me get to that goal. So like having like the Beauty and the Beast that we just did and the actor playing Belle, uh, we always say a plus size black queer identifying actor. And they were glorious. But it was an interesting thing to make sure everyone was on board that this actor we had picked is Belle, is beautiful, is worthy, is meant to be in this role. Even if it was, wasn't written for her in mm-hmm. mind or for them in mind, it is now 100% their opportunity. And how do we help them work through it? So if there is language that suggests this character is skinny. We need to look at that. Yeah. If there is language that suggests anything about skin color, we need to look at it because we want to make sure we're putting this actor into a position they've never held before. Does the subject matter traumatize them? What do we do within our show to make sure they are safe? The audience sits down and sees it and says, yes. Yeah. Not, not sitting there confused, not going, wait, this isn't what we expected. What can we do to prepare communities, the world, the theater industry? This is what we're doing. Come on board because we're in full belief of it. And it takes everyone to just say, yes, here we are. But it's it's never ending. It's, It's just always reminding everyone around what we need to do. And we didn't do enough. Yeah, we didn't do enough that time. We got to do more next time. The thing that's um, like coming up for me right now is how this is all connected in a, from a, from, for our purposes today, right. In a self-care way, in a taking care of yourself way, because people who have felt isolated or who have felt marginalized or have never assumed the role, like you were just saying, how Jade, who will also be on the podcast. Exciting. Yay, uh, Jade Jones, she's the best. How Jade was assuming a role like she'd never had before. Right. The humans that are existing in, on the other end of these conversations that are the people that were like, well, they're this or they're that they're not enough. This they're too much. This they then have a relationship to themselves that is being affected by all of this. Mm -hmm. Right. So the more we can make mindful, careful, loving decisions and conversations about this, we're also going to help these people be more mindful and caring and loving for themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because I, you know, while I'm talking about self-care and how we work out and how we feel ourselves and, and how it helps us be our best, it's also that we can leave the world a better place in the way we found it, right? Oh, absolutely. That is, that is everything now. And I, I've said to my brother multiple times recently, if it was just, if we lived in a world where everyone had to take a 20 to 30 minute walk every day, unplugged across the world we'd live in a different place. Yeah, absolutely. I I have recently just discovered my return to walking around New York City when I was a college student and the world was opening up and I either put on headphones or I just walked and I was like, this city is, you know, working with me. We are harmonious, but those walks just going and just seeing and breathing and, and taking a moment and then going back to life. Yeah. It's so, it's like, I love it. It's like, 
I'm so happy I'm reclaiming that as a mental health, um, I don't know, exercise tool or tool. Or tool. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's so, it's so beautiful. And it's also so important because as you, you are someone who's on the other end of the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching somebody come in and do their work, maybe in the moment you're like, you know, okay, checking off some boxes from a casting perspective. Yes. But there's an empathy around like, what are people doing before the room and after the room? Right. Yep. And you have to check that you, as a, as a person behind the table, if it's an audition, you have to reset every time someone comes in, someone leaves, you reset and you start as if it's the first person I'm seeing today. Yeah. If you don't, you're doing a disservice to that person because there is so much weight. I know people have told me like have held me accountable and they were like, wow, your face looked like you hated me. And so I had to take moments and, and be like, I was actually thinking how gorgeous your voice was, but something about my face was furrowing or something just made it look like I was not enjoying it. So I have to check myself and be like, stay open, let everyone do all the material they've prepared, give them adjustments, give them the time mm-hmm. to just have them come in and sing a little thing of their packet. And be like, thank you so much. There's a sense of like, I, the person auditioning, I didn't get to do my job. I didn't get to celebrate what I do. I didn't get to interact. I didn't get to feel like I was a professional. And so it takes just a little bit of the director, choreographer, producer, musical director to stop and take in this person and let them know they're they're being seen. I'm still working on it because there can be multiple people coming in and you're like, I need to eat a little food. So you you just always have to be like, new person. How can I make them feel um, that their time wasn't wasted. You're amazing. Oh my um, gosh, you're amazing. Shut up. We're going to do this. Okay. So okay, yes, yes, I yes. love this conversation so much. It's so like, we could go on for life forever. Five, and I feel 10, like this is <laughs> super on brand for everything I stand for. So yeah. not that it's about being on brand, but uh, well, yeah, it's all about being on yeah, brand. That's right. Okay. We're going to finish up with our rapid fire questions. There's 10 of oh. them. Okay. Oh my gosh. There, oh gosh, I'm so nervous. No, don't be nervous. Okay. First show, Broadway show, musical, you ever saw as a kid, like ever. Doesn't need to be in New York. First show you ever saw on a stage. I believe it was Cats at the Schubert Theater in Boston in 1983. Wow. Wow. You were like six? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, first show you ever saw on Broadway. I think it was a chorus line in 19, the original. Wow. I saw the last original company, 1990 or 1991. Whew. First Broadway show you performed in? 42nd Street. Yes. Um, as the, so these next two are as an actor, okay? As okay, a yes, performer. Yes, yes, yes. Dream yeah. role. Dream role? Ooh, what's interesting is I don't have those anymore um, because uh, I now have dream shows. But if they're still, I think I want to play Bobby and company at someday. Great. I, I, yes. or, or, or the lead in the Cage, Alban. Oh, that would be wonderful. I would die. Uh, yeah. As a performer still, dream show to be dream in. Dream sh- to be in. Yeah, anything. Like if they're like, we want you to be in this show. Is there a show that you've never done that you've always wanted to do? A show. I'm trying to think of like what they're... Um, because what's interesting is like I've, I've really done all my dream shows, but if I had to pick a dream show, like, is it like it was on Broadway and they're yeah. like, here's your, um, yeah. ooh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. 
it, it's so silly, and this is gonna be so weird. This answer, Say street street scene okay. from uh, by Kurt Vile. Uh, uh, there is a character, I believe the name is Sam, uh-huh. and, and it's all operetta. Or uh-huh. it, it just requires something else of my voice. And I just think to be on a stage and do a show that uh, focuses more on the vocal and less on the dancing, I just think I would love that experience. I get, yeah, I love that. Okay, dream show as a director and choreographer. Oh, um, what's interesting is this summer I'm getting to do 42nd Street and I got to do it on Broadway for two years. Mm-hmm. And I was always thinking I would love to approach this in a very... Uh, unique way so that's happening but the musical nine is my dream <gasps> show to direct and choreograph oh my gosh okay the next four have nothing to do with theater i mean they okay, can cool. but they don't really Perfect. favorite restaurant favorite restaurant oh my gosh um uh i'll say uh, um what, what, oh gosh uh what's the restaurant the italian restaurant on um uh 181 Saggio. Saggio. yeah yes uh favorite vacation spot ever I'll just say Disney World. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't say that. Um, yeah, you can. Uh, I'll say Nuka Hiva. It's an island in the South Pacific. Oh, gorge! Uh, uh, one special skill you have? Um, I can tongue pop. Oh, <laughs> and what's one thing you're grateful for? My mom. No. All right, Joshi. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is really uh, special to me and I'm really grateful for your time. And I'm very excited to see how you make our world, what we're talking from like a theater perspective, um, a better place. I love you. And, and to you too. I'm so proud of you. And to think about what I learned from you and the focus that you put into your classes ties so greatly into the physical therapy that I've had to do because of a knee and other, you know, my, my bicep. It's awesome to just be able to see to, right now in our careers that there is such dedication to improving the health of performers at the beginning of their careers, middle, and, and yeah. then just afterwards. So I'm, I'm so impressed and, and proud of you too. Oh, thanks. All right, team. Thank you for joining us um, and listening and um, have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. Thank you for following, subscribing, liking, reviewing, all the things to help get these wonderful conversations in more ears. Have a great day and be well. Thanks for joining us today. Check out other episodes on all streaming platforms, including the Broadway Podcast Network app. Be well and see you next time. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.